1: I like experimenting with different things that bring me joy and finding out what the Becky of today is wanting and needing and liking. Hello, and welcome to The Body
2: Protest. In this podcast, we combine storytelling with science to better understand our relationship with our bodies. I'm Nadia Craddock, and I'm a body image researcher. And I'm Honey Ross, and I'm a writer. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest.
1: Three,
3: two, one. Hi Hi, Body Body Protesters. Protesters!
2: So, so you always say hey that's the other thing, I, the other say thing. Hey, I say hey and hi. then I get shy halfway <laughs>
3: through the end of the word protest, <laughs> and, and, like, hey. <laughs> and then you <laughs> go off screen <laughs> <laughs> we're it's getting there we're just I love that we're kind of figuring out each other's approach and we're gonna yeah. get by the end of the season by the season finale we're gonna do it perfectly it's gonna be, it's
2: gonna be beautiful it's gonna be beautiful oh. honey how are you doing
3: I'm doing good, the sun is shining, um, an ice cream van's coming to my house today,
2: because <gasps> of hashtag influencer shit. Oh <laughs> what? Uh, I'm it's, so envious, I, ice it's, cream is like my favourite food group.
3: I can't believe it's happening, I genuinely am like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me from being on Instagram, so I'm very, I will send you updates and photos. The, I don't know if I, can uh, you can't, do, a, a, no I can, an Adidas ex ASOS ice cream van is coming to my house. <laughs>
2: Wait. that sounds so much fun well yeah you have to uh, yeah i will share send updates. you updates share updates <laughs> what are, what are you how are you my love i'm very well as you say the sun is shining i feel like i've said this so many times over the last two weeks but i feel my whole personality shifts <laughs> when, the, <laughs> when the sky is blue and the sun is out and it's, um, I don't have goosebumps all over my skin.
3: It makes a difference not feeling excessively cold all of the time. Like, I think yeah. the minute it's a bit more warmth, it's just like, everything's easier. Yeah. A- and the vi- everyone's nicer to each other. Everyone's smiling. Yeah, everyone feels slightly lifted, don't they? The it's serotonin all... and the vitamin D is just pouring over us like honey. Yeah. It's oh delicious. My
2: goodness. Oh my goodness, I'm <laughs> just bathing in it. We have such an exciting episode today. We're not going to do a long big spiel, but you're just going to love this episode. So, we speak with Becky Young, founder and director of Anti Diet Riot Club, and just the most joyful, radiant, wonderful, authentically herself (laughs) goddess. She is, yeah. And she will introduce herself. But yeah, we're
3: very excited about this episode and we hope you enjoy it. So here's Becky.
1: Becky, welcome to The Body Protest. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
2: Oh, we're so excited to to, to speak with you. Could you give us a quick intro to yourself for our listeners.
1: Yeah I'm Becky Young, I'm the founder and co-director of Anti-Diet Right Club. I run it alongside the wonderful Harry Rose Um, and we are a social enterprise and rebel community fighting back against diet culture and trying to educate people on the harmful effects of diet culture, body shame and fat phobia and empower people to live their lives in their bodies authentically now, rather than waiting for a future body or aesthetic goal, uh, which we feel really holds people back and um, dims people's light. So we're just, we're, we're trying to spread that message and we do it through workshops, talks, content. We have an online membership community where we host loads of different events and um, uh, sharing circles and support groups, um, as well as having a you know, social media platform that we, Sort of post educational content and collaborate with lots of other incredible experts and give them a platform as
2: well. Phenomenal you just I mean you do such incredible work the community is so vibrant I wonder if we get into that a little bit and and talk about it a bit more and I think perhaps for people who are less familiar with some of these terms like what do you mean by anti-diet? Mm.
1: What do I mean by anti-diet?
2: Well, it's not what people would think in that I'm <laughs> when people
1: are a bit devil's advocacy and they're like well diet just mm-hmm. means what you eat or you know diet just means you know what you put in your mouth it doesn't have to mean something to do with like body goals. Um and it, I we're not anti people eliminating foods from their diet because of medical reasons or for allergy reasons. We're really specifically anti the the rules, the restrictions, the external guides to how we should be living and eating and moving. These things that take us away from our like internal body wisdom that make us not trust our bodies and make us think we have to um, eat and move and um, treat our bodies in a certain way in order to be beautiful and healthy and happy and attractive. And, and that body trust is something that we're actually very pro anti-doubt mm. is actually really pro life and it's pro not in the weird uh anti-abortion <laughs> not in a weird anti-abortion way but in a in a pro like gaining gaining your independence and freedom back gaining your or, your authenticity back um we're pro like uh we're pro pleasure pro joy pro um you know Sex. It's it's so it's it's not actually that we're uh, either we called anti diet riot club. We'd like to see us as like actually trying to give people a more positive outlook and mindset. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we are angry and we are fighting against this um diet culture, which you guys discuss so much on this podcast. Uh. All of that messaging that's telling us our body isn't good enough and that thin is the ideal and that we should be striving for that at all costs. But also we're trying to in trying to inspire a much what we see as a much more positive outlook.
3: Hearing you talk actually really reminds me of Virgie Tovar talking about practising abundance Mm. and talking about that kind of celebration of life and learning to just, I don't know, live really fully. And I think that's so what you do with Anti-Diet Riot Club. I'm so glad it's a space you've created.
1: What has running Anti-Diet Riot Club taught you about yourself? Mm, So much. I I started Anti-Diet Riot Club as a kind of passion project on the side. I wanted to... I was... Um, I was and am on my own journey and adventure of trying to learn to break away from the mindset that I've lived in for years, which is that I should be smaller in order to be a better person. Um, And to do that, I wanted to use my experience running events to bring people together to create an in real life community for myself. I had made incredible connections online, but no didn't have really people in real life and now I have so many which is incredible um including you two and I um have learned that for me that community is has been so vital so I I need people to bounce off ideas with I need people that I can that I can feel safe to talk about these subjects with I don't feel safe with certain people to talk around this with because I know that they don't understand um and at first I thought that you know I I had to sort of keep it all in and I had to go through this kind of journey on my own but I realized that I felt feel so much stronger and so much affirm reaffirmed when I do it with other people or in tandem with other people so that's kind of like you know the basics of why I set it up and and what I've got from it but in terms of actually running a community uh, and setting it up as a social enterprise and it's now it's called a community interest company in the UK and it's it's now turned into this business enterprise, which I wasn't expecting or um, even had planned for it to be. In doing that, I've learned so much about myself and about my resilience, my lack of resilience in certain aspects of life. I'm I'm such a perfectionist. I'm such a people pleaser. I really hate getting things wrong and uh, uh, disappointing people, and it, it take a lot of criticism, incredibly personally. So I've learned that I'm I, I'm bad at dealing with failure. And I think that's my like high achieving past. And um, my like the, you know, probably lots of stuff to work through in therapy about my parents or the praise I got from them. But I it's been a real learning curve to try and actually you know just fail and get back up again and do things wrong and learn from them and own up to mistakes and to not take everything so personally especially when we have this you know huge instagram community um which you know was just a means of promoting our events and workshops and now it's 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 got it's it's an entity of its own and we you know we reach a lot of people through the content that we post there and we hopefully give people give a platform to lots of other experts but it also comes with community management responsibilities and that can be quite um difficult online I think Instagram fosters a sense of amazing community but it also is anonymous in some ways there's obviously trolls there's obviously you know uh propensity for everyone to try and pick everything that you do apart um and some of it's so welcome and uh, like needed because we need it to grow and we have used it to be better as an organization and some of it is just really difficult to deal with and I'm I'm a little worried <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned I've learned to be a little bit um thicker skinned when it comes to that
3: but also I feel like it's I mean you you've created a space that's so special but we are in the spaces we work in so exposed to fat phobia and I'm sure there's an element of like not needing to be thicker skinned it's that people need to be less shitty like I'm not sure if that's me but you know <laughs> I feel like you're doing you're doing a very
1: amazing job because Anti Diet Right Club isn't centered. The Instagram page isn't centered around images of myself, and we post a lot of photos of of fat bodies, but they're not me. And so I feel like Anti Diet Right has got a lot less trolls from people who are fat phobic, and I think that people like to troll an account which is clearly personal to that person mm-hmm. like it's 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 intentional that they choose certain accounts because they're more vulnerable well yeah because they want to they target them as more they vulnerable. target the person
3: the individual rather the that's person the so interesting individual.
1: right so so we don't actually get a high volume of trolls um and we do get them i just delete them and you know if they're anything about anyone else that's being posted then i, I remove them if they're if they're like questioning and asking you know curious then i can respond if i have the energy but if it's if i feel like it's going to be harmful to anyone else in a marginalized body who's going to be reading the comments then i just i'm quite brutal and i delete oh i hear that because i want to keep it like a community space and the stuff i receive about myself is probably more limited because i'm in i'm in a you know small fat body so it's again i get have a lot of privilege in that sense that i can do this work and not receive the hatred that you know super fat and infinity fat people would receive doing the same work um so yeah I think for me it's often actually criticism from like within the movement people who are in agreement that we need to be fighting against uh diet culture and other oppressive systems but want us to do it better or want us to do it in a different way and I think you know as I said like a lot of that is really welcome and we need that as as you know people who are trying to fight against systems we also need to be fighting against our own internal biases and stuff so i think it's it's just also a process of learning how to be more resilient and just not take it so personally because it's not personal Mm -hmm. it's political
2: yeah i can i can see that feedback coming and i think it's people wanting change and sometimes putting it or the responsibility of that change on someone on someone else and um I don't know how to describe it, but I completely see that happening within the community. And I can also see how it can feel overwhelming because you're doing this work to try your best, right? And sometimes it can feel maybe that your best is not good enough and you're and you're trying. But I wonder if there's been things that have been said that you've taken on board and you kind of wish you knew when you started Anti-Diet Riot Club. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean... We had criticism
1: um, the first after sort of the first year of running events. I was running events in this really small basement room, um, and we had someone rightly call us in about the um, lack of accessibility. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were looking. I was looking for venues that ha- weren't in a basement <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and looking for somewhere that I could afford, etc. And from that, I then realized that there was so much that we weren't doing for accessibility and it's now become like really important foundationally to everything we do like we kind Mm. of go from there rather than seeing it as a not an afterthought but as it's like it's a non-negotiable almost Mm. um it's a primary concern yeah um and so I've learned so much about disability and the way that intersects with this movement as well and and the way that that for a lot of our community that is um access and disability is an intersecting identity uh, another Mm. issue that they're having to face another form of oppression and um another avenue for body justice for them um you know I have a bone condition myself so I have been disabled and it still uh wasn't (laughs) on my priority list just because at that time I wasn't disabled but I think now I realise I'm just so interested in that at any moment you know people can wake up disabled and and by 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 society by a a society by a world that isn't built for people with disability Um, and so it's so important for me to make sure we try and make our events and our workshops and community accessible not just for people with you know physical or mental disabilities but also with financial access, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people who making a space that's welcoming for people who have anxiety disorders or people who, you know, might have children and can't have the time, you know, trying to think about all of the ways in which people might have barriers to try and access the content and make things easier for them rather than, you know, well, if you if you can't put the time and the work effort in, then you can't, you know, be a part of this course or this event or whatever trying to, yeah, be more Understanding of everyone's the obstacles in everyone's lives. Obviously, we can't do it for everyone, and no event can be completely accessible, so we're always learning, but it's such a primary concern and interest for us now. Was that one of the kind of key reasons you started the concept of the Anti Diet Right van? Yeah, one of the reasons was that we were essentially running events just in London, um, in small venues, and um we realized from going to festivals and running workshops there and people going oh like when are you going to come to this part of england when are you going to come to this part of england um and we were like um you know finding venues finding spaces like you know we it might be difficult and it was really important that we tried to get out of of london out of our bubble um but it was. It, it has some logistical difficulties, and then we realised also that um, even in cities, people, you know, it was was still restricting access for people who lived in like urban areas. Um, and it would be great if we could just try and get around as many places as possible. So the bus was a was did come from that. It also came from the idea of um, you know like a campaign bus being able mm. to. a a riot bus being able to like you know i don't know shout things from the rooftop and just try and spread the message spread the message literally through the the airwaves um but we still haven't been able to take it out on the road yet so i'm really hoping this year this uh year we can but i'm also prepared for potentially another lockdown so um the 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 plan is august we're going to be able to get it out so fingers crossed so excited well i can't wait to go to
3: a life drawing event on the bus <laughs> i'm like get me naked on that bus that's all i want great <laughs>
2: <Right. laughs> yes,
3: so um i'm gonna change gears a little bit and we love to start with this question usually but we're mixing things up a bit today because why not would
1: you mind telling us a bit about your relationship to your body growing up mm. yeah i mean i think i mirror a lot of people's stories in that i started dieting pretty young so around 13 um was when I went on my first official diet plan before then I had a complicated relationship with my body I was I was so tall like I am so small right now I basically stopped growing at the age of 11 so in my my childhood I was I was really huge compared to everyone else um and I also developed really quickly so and early um you know I was the first person to wear a bra I had boobs and at like the age of nine before you know every single other girl in my class and my school um and so i think i just felt uncomfortable in that i think i felt i felt too big always um and then i yeah that that feeling continued into my teenage years but it was definitely tied up in my relationship with my disability Um, i had operations when i was seven and eleven and it meant that i was um. I developed a serious limp and had, was on crutches a lot, had a big scar um, and had to stop moving and doing dance and stage school and I couldn't do a lot of the things that I could do before and I couldn't run around, I couldn't join in sports, Um, I couldn't do anything high impact and so while it didn't stop me from doing a lot of things that I loved, it did um, start to become increasingly more difficult to I think it, it became increasingly more difficult to move it became increasingly painful and my my focus on exercise and physio became kind of tied up with my leg so there was this like two things happening at the same time I was like getting more conscious of my body and also um, feeling very restricted by my leg and then that kind of converged and I started going on diets and exercising really obsessively and to try and to try and strengthen my leg was the reason, but it was actually to try and lose weight, to try and control my body, to try and take control of my body in some way. Um, And then, yeah, I think that was a beginning of 10 years or so of on and off dieting. I mean, I tried so many different plans and extreme, some of them extreme, some of them not so. And um some of them successful, some of them not successful, you know, in my um, eyes at that in my eyes at that time was like very quick weight loss um but always I would bounce back and put more weight back on, and then I would feel worse about my body, and then the cycle the cycle continued and 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 that's what I see in so many other people as well, you know that, that's that similar starts somewhere and then the cycle just gets worse and worse um and eventually kind of got myself out of it in my mid 20s but god there was still even when I discovered body acceptance and the you know the the concept that diets weren't actually good for my body because I had assumed that they were um it was still I'm still experimenting with so many different you know ways of eating that I thought were just like healthier ways of eating Mm -hmm. um and they were still sort of definitely shrouded in diet culture so it took me years and years and years to bring myself out of that. What do you think was the turning point? Finding the movement was definitely discovering people like Virgi Chovar, uh, Gabby Fresh, um, uh, Michelle Elman God Not Scared" on Instagram. Yeah, we stand. Um, we love Michelle. Yeah, I I had read Fat is a Feminist issue. I'd read you know Fatso in my you know when I was nineteen for my my thesis at university. I'd read so many incredible feminist and fat positive books but i never thought they'd apply to me it wasn't until i saw it it being lived i saw it being embodied that i thought wow this is this is something that you know could could liberate me i guess
3: well you know i think that comes back so interestingly to what you were saying earlier of kind of uh, part of the riot and kind of protest element of this is living joyfully and how actually existing in a larger body in a fat body is such an act of protest just existing joyfully is a form of resistance and i think you know you really embody that and i so hear that of seeing those other
1: people embody that it just makes it seem possible mm, it definitely does i mean when you when you see uh, a fat woman living their life without apology just sticking their finger up at that, like i'm not gonna do that yes i you know i i struggle with you know bad days and life isn't always like you know this this riot but it's it, it can be full of colour, full of joy, full of pleasure, full of sexuality, full of love, full of, like, you know, a wealth of other things. Um, and actually putting myself and my body and my mind through these restrictive or even not so restrictive, but even these sort of normative eating behaviours and um, obsessing with how I look and obsessing with what I eat and how I move, that actually dims all of those things in my Mm. life and saps the energy takes the energy away from that and towards these other things
3: well I also feel like those things kind of other you from your body it's like Mm. you said again it's that disconnection and how so much of this movement is about reconnecting to yourself and learning to
1: trust yourself again yeah I love that have you read lindo bacon's radical belonging
2: i have and i actually just interviewed lindo for appearance matters and i just i almost couldn't i mean this is the classic thing that i have i i stop speaking when i'm too interested in listening and i just i just <laughs> want people just to keep talking and and um and suddenly the time is up and i was like i had a whole list of questions here and i've not <laughs> asked any of them and what am i gonna do we've just got to put it out but um yeah really and i think that a lot of what you're saying again and thinking about you and what you do with anti-diet riot club and what Lindo was saying is how it all comes back to community and and compassion for yourself and and with what you're saying about living joyfully and feeling joy in your body i wonder if you can share some things that that either that you've done through anti-diet riot club or for yourself personally like what what does bring you joy in your body I kind of love this question because actually every day my answer
1: changes which I (laughs) I think is a really important part for me for actually that why I say living authentically is is I don't have this like self-care routine many people ask me for advice on my what works for me what brings me joy and that changes all the time and I think like I like experimenting with different things that bring me joy and finding out what the Becky of today is wanting and needing and liking. Obviously there are certain things that I know and that I can reach out for, but I also just, yeah, I like sort of testing the waters a little bit. So what really is bringing me joy right now is my hula hoop. <laughs> oh, it's always, I've left it untouched and unspun for months and months. And so summer means the beginning of me picking up my hula hoop again. And it makes me so happy to twist and turn around and spin around in circles to music, um, and that yeah, music at the moment is bringing me so much joy and so much escape. I love dancing. I love finding songs that I love and. What do you just, like, like listening to down the road? Uh, at the moment it's country music
3: oh i love that for you mm, i'm really into
1: country <laughs> and i'm finding out so much about queer country music Ooh. and country music is not this like you know southern white southern racist um conservative music it's actually a lot of really radical country artists well, i mean
3: obviously not to mm. be a basic bitch but and Dolly, actually, Dolly exactly. Like we owe, I mean, Dolly Parton is a storyteller and a very oh, yeah. progressive one at that. Like, I mean, go back to her early works, unbelievable stuff.
1: And I think there's this tendency for like America to try and like paint out these singers as like the American dream, you know, an example of right wing America, and actually they're not. Um, and, you know, country music takes so, you know, is inspired so much by um, like black country music as well and soul music and just um there's so many incredible like amazing lgbt country songs that are so spicy it's so there is a lot of high
3: camp like it's very like there's a lot of performance in country which i feel Mm. like so harkens back to that like I don't know, incredible queer energy. And I feel like there was such a nod to that with um, Old Town Roads like a couple of years ago. Do you remember, that was like finally someone's kind of coming back to that high camp in country. Like it makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like now there's a, you know, big kind of convergence of that queer culture like Denim and Diamante and mm. Lil Nas X. Yes. And, um, yeah, I'm really loving that. And I'm just loving exploring it and finding out about a type of music I didn't know anything about. But I'm just obsessed with drum and bass or soul music, disco, like Jungle, Bashman. I love it all. It just depends on the day. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, I'm working really hard. We're doing the Body Right Weekender in two weeks. It's um, it's taking up a huge portion of my time. But I got to escape in my camper van this week, which was so nice. I bought a camper van last year. Um, And it, I think it just makes me feel really independent and really adventurous. I... I feel like in the past I thought I had to go on these massive journeys abroad to feel adventurous and to feel like it myself that's when I really feel like myself when I'm traveling or backpacking turns out I just need like little mini adventures and or little day adventures um and trying to like foster that energy and that feeling even just in the UK and in small ways is is really powerful for me oh that's beautiful I love that
2: Becky, why don't you tell us about this weekender? So
1: the Body Right Weekender is our online five-day summit that we're hosting, starting on International No Diet Day on Mm -hmm. sixth of May. It's also Fat Liberation Month, so we've got you know over fifteen different speakers and facilitators of workshops we've got people like reagan chastain doing an absolutely amazing presentation just ripping apart the research into weight and health mm. we have the wonderful vanessa rochelle lewis um who's the ugly back woman on instagram talking about her um incredible work around uglification and um breaking down be- the beauty standard we have a workshop called pussy gazing which I'll leave to your Okay, imagination. I mean, I'm coming to that.
3: <laughs> Sign me up.
1: <laughs> we have um, Kareem Arthur, who's an incredible food journalist. She runs an organisation called The Healing Table, and she's doing a cooking club, and we're going to be talking about the healing power of food and then actually cooking together, which is going to be so much fun, as well as, um, you know, we're going to do a fat and trans-inclusive yoga and a kitchen dance party a panel on body ideals and body liberation in queer communities there's just so much so much that we haven't been able to talk about um at past events and so that we wanted to wanted to do finally and kind of like a big package and it's totally free which is amazing so people can just sign up and get all of that content for free which is awesome. Oh, Becky it just sounds absolutely euphoric I, I'm like
2: <laughs> I'm going to everything. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's incredible and it's and so it's all online as well right?
1: It's all online um so we've got people from we've got almost 700 people signed up from all over the world um speakers are you know from the US, UK, from Canada and one from Europe um and we it will also be available afterwards. So you can sort of buy packages starting at 15 pounds that give mm-hmm. you like lifetime access to the content as well. So I think, I think we're going to start doing this every year. I've really loved running, um organizing something that can be accessed by people, you know, in countries all over the world. Mm-hmm. It comes with some difficulties, but I'd prefer that to running an event just in London of this size, um, that only certain people can come to and that people have to spend loads of money to get to, um, and, you know, we can make everything captioned and give transcripts and try and make it accessible to people. And yeah, it's just, it seems like a kind of the format that I feel like means we can reach as many people as possible, which for us is, it's obviously, we want to, we love doing the intimate work with people in our community. We love doing the, you know, workshops with only 20 people or for people to be able to gauge. But, you know, we also want to reach as many people as possible.
3: We feel like you're kind of constantly trying to highlight really exciting people. How do you decide what to shine a light on? Because I feel like you cover so many causes and topics.
1: Interesting. I think we just try and prioritise people who... Most of the time, we try and prioritise people who live in marginalized, more marginalised bodies. We don't always get that right. But I think... For us, it's like, if they do they have a perspective that I feel our audience would really connect with in terms of, like, their identities? And are they saying something that's not just about self-love or just about, like, their own personal experiences? Are they saying something that's, like, runs deeper, that's talking about systems of power? Are they saying stuff that's political? Are they... Are they making sure They aren't being Adding to those systems Of oppression Like they aren't being ableist Or they aren't They aren't You know Being incredibly gender normative In the way that they're Talking about things I think those Are really important for us um, And obviously We just connect with people And like their message I mean with Virgie It's almost just like You know You can't not love What Virgie Virgie do- Virgitova does mm. And so We just have to reach out To people who we love And who we Their soul shines through And then normally because I'm so excited when I'm reaching out to them they're just really excited and and that's where it comes from I think people um there's no real rhyme and reason to it it's just what what's exciting us and who could use having their voice amplified as well like we do take that into consideration that we're not trying to give we're not often giving platforms like people who already have a massive platform because they've they their voice is already being heard and we'll amplify it but it doesn't mean that um yeah they should necessarily take the space of someone with a smaller platform I think with everything you do it feels very organic and
3: instinctual and obviously like there is growth that's coming from as the community grows you receive more feedback but it's like from the first time I met you you've always had this kind of incredible energy and drive and just yeah it's it, it feels so authentic I even remember seeing you at like the first event I came to that we kind of did together and you were running around and putting all the stuff up yourself and, like, assembling massage beds. And I was like, who is this icon? Like, I was like, who is this goddess trying to make the world a better place? I was like, we need more Beckys.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet to hear. I really loved that event for Valentine's Day when we did... um... It was all about, like, self-pleasure and solo play. And oh, it was yeah, so great. I've,
3: I think about that conversation all the time. We had such a wonderful, like, panel conversation about masturbation. It was just divine. <laughs> it was loads of women talking about vibrators. I was like, I can fuck yeah. with this in a In this, way. like,
1: really dark room that was, like, filled with, like, weird tinsel and, like, <laughs> people having massages and, um, like, people getting drunk. And then we did a uh, strut dance yes. afterwards, which was really, really great. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm so, I feel so blessed to have, like, Brought people together in those kind of spaces. I know that's exactly why I do it. Um, but I also feel really grateful just to have been in those spaces with people. Um, and I love seeing the way that pe- when they are around other fat people. When they're around people who are, you know, working on body acceptance. When they're around people who've struggled with their bodies. I mean, it just feels like being, you know, amongst friends. even if Even if you don't know anyone's face in the room. It can feel, yeah, just like so wonderful to know that there are so many other people going through what you're going through and when people come and they get like they get involved in the discussion or they get involved in the workshops and they walk out with a smile on their face and they feedback to us that you know since then they've been wearing shorts in the summer and no no more like long trousers in the sweltering heat or people who have you know finally started um you know doing this swimming doing swimming which they used to love before but they haven't gone because they've had such a disordered relationship with exercise and hated being in a swimsuit or you know now that they go they go out to the beach with their kids and I mean it's not all down to us but people will say like after that event I haven't dieted since and I'm just like that is if one person can say Mm -hmm. that to me that that makes it all worthwhile completely no well you're doing incredible work and the world is very
3: lucky to have you in it guys i told you i'm menstruating i'm
1: gonna cry (laughs) i'm
3: like don't come on you're allowed to cry here it's a (laughs) safe feelings don't scare us this is a good place for it (laughs) we love to end on this question i feel like you've answered a version of it but what's something that you do and i know you don't say you say you don't have a self-care routine but what's one thing you like to do that makes you feel Mm. at home in your body that you come back to
1: Mm.
3: masturbation
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> mm, for sure like I have so many strange like I wake up always of, after a sex dream like uh, some sort of weird sex dream um and Wait, is this every night or is this just not like every no, night okay not a lot a lot That's lucky I it's, love that it's, but it's kind of weird and so like it, it I really love doing that in the morning um and I feel like also it just allows me to have you know appreciation for my body and spend time with my body um i love having baths i know that's the cliche self-care thing but I no do. but it's, you're talking to a pisces i hear it um, yeah <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm a big pnb fan podcast and a bath that's oh. that's what i love also um, like throw in a wank bath podcast wank done <laughs> <laughs> i actually better. like some sex toys say they're waterproof but they're not they're not. So no, I've it proved just them just wrong. Yeah, there. I have broken a few, um, <laughs> and I think, I think being outside in nature as well is definitely something that I would like to prioritize more because I find every time I do that, you know, socks and shoes off, toes in the grass, I feel so much more at home in my body. Um, you know, I live in Peckham, but I do live on a park, so not on a park, but like over a park. So I should like get out there and barefoot more often.
3: Well, I do. When I envision you, I think of you as like barefoot in a flowing gown at a festival, curly hair in the wind, frolicking. So like, that's how I'd like you to be out more in nature so I can maintain that fantasy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That That is me when there are festivals on. I love, I feel like festivals make me feel like more myself and more my kind of like animalistic wild semi-naked don't give a fuck self um I'm happy not being that the whole time it's not sustainable um Mm -hmm. but I think that I like to have or I like to embrace my like varying identities and like you know there's lots of things in me and they're all contradictory and that's totally fine so embracing me on a different day is you know sometimes I'm stuck at home watching Netflix um or watching Shite reality reality TV, and then the next week I'll like not look at my phone for three days, and you know be frolicking around, rolling around in the field. So, mm. and that's what keeps life exciting. That <laughs> range. Yeah, I I, I contain
2: multitudes. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it's good to hear and good to know, and I think everyone does. But I think we it's so easy to feel like you have to be a certain way if you have one aspect of your identity so yeah have the range it's, enjoy the range
1: especially when people nowadays have like a personal brand that they're putting out mm, there and they yeah. know it or not on social media feels like you have to be this stuck fixed identity and I I just think that's like philosophically but also practically just not true yeah. we're just constantly changing
3: it's yeah it's not sustainable and it's
1: yeah the one constant
3: is that we are constantly changing that's the only yeah. thing that we can all agree on. So yeah. it's like,
1: <laughs> why not embrace that? And I love that you do. It makes it hard to answer these questions, though. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, it depends what day you catch me on, babes. <laughs>
2: well, but that's, you know, that's the reality of it. Yeah, it? exactly. And it's, it, it means kind of we, we just it have, it have to have you back on, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. who knows which one you'll meet next
2: time. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Well, I love the Becky that we had today. I love the Becky I spoke to yesterday. And and all all of the things that you do... Becky, can you um, give us a few places of where to find you, find your work? How are we going to find out about the the Weekender? Um, A few plugs.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely head to bodyrightweekender.com. That's where you can sign up for free for the event. Um, And then even after the event's happened, it will be live and you can purchase access to the content even after the event's finished. Um, But also come and find us on Instagram. That's where we hang out a lot anti-diet riot club we've also got onto tiktok oh my god i've been loving your tiktoks
3: i I had that everybody is a beach body stuck in my head for so long and i've just been thinking about you glowing in the sunshine being like that's my girl
1: (laughs) i've i've resisted it for the whole of the year of lockdown i don't know what like what was going on but i just felt i think i went on there and i found it incredibly fat phobic and so um, it took me a long time to find the kind of right people to follow so if you're the same about TikTok then come follow us and we can like try and build a community together because it's harsh out there in TikTok land sometimes um, but also Okay, the website is something we're currently like trying to invest more time into uh, we're building a blog there and we want guest writers if anyone's interested in getting involved and writing pieces for us um, and and yeah, I, we, we've also got this, I haven't even talked about it, but it's the, called the Antidote Right Community and that's opening its doors in June. So if you're listening to this and you feel like coming and joining our, you know, it's about 200 of us and we have a cosy little corner of the internet where we all support each other um, and have experts join us and we do movement classes and we do even like creative classes. We, we've had um, sewing classes and we're doing an abstract art therapy class this this week. So there's so much going on there, and it's just everyone's so lovely to each other because we want to. <laughs> so that's antidotewrite dot community, and um, yeah, I mean it's all on the website, and so we will thing. link to everything in the show notes.
2: Yeah, we love a cosy corner of the internet, so that's that's very on brand. Love yeah, it. and it's
1: away from traditional social media, which I think is the future for us. I mean, we love posting things, um, you know, to all of the people that follow us, but we also. Know that we can create um, a kind of less toxic environment if we move away from Facebook and Instagram. So that's what we're trying to do.
2: Yeah. Well, Becky, love it. We love you. Thank you so much for for speaking to us on the Body Photo. Thank
1: you so much for having me, girls. Love you
3: loads. Love you so. So, Nadia one thing that we didn't actually fully get into with becky but we love that becky does is antidote riot club runs life drawing classes which famously i once participated in and it was very exciting to be naked in a room full of people because i love attention so it's fantastic <laughs> could you tell us a bit about the research behind why life drawing and body image kind of go hand in hand and why it's so good for your body image
2: yeah, of course. So there are actually just a few studies that are focusing on life drawing and, and body image at the moment. They're all pretty recent, so from two thousand and sixteen onwards, more or less. Most of them, or the ones that I'm aware of, are led by a researcher called Dr. Viram Swami, who is a professor of psychology here in the UK, and pretty much exactly as you said, show that drawing a nude model has a positive effect on body image. So. There's a, a, I was looking through a couple of the papers and there's a paper that I thought would be quite fun to, to talk about. So it was published in 2017 in the Journal of Body Image and Viram describes three studies. So it kind of helps unpick a little bit why it might be helpful. So the first study, there were three groups, so a comparison between the three groups. So you had one group where women were attending a life drawing class with a nude model you had a second group where women were attending a, a drawing class with a closed model, so a woman wearing jeans and a t-shirt or something like that. And then a third group where women attended a still life drawing class, so they had a bowl of fruit. And so each of the classes were an hour in length or thereabouts and followed the same format so you know in life during classes there's normally like a quick pose session and then um longer periods where the model was holding a pose so they did that with both of the classes where they had the models but then I thought it's quite funny with the fruit they kind of rearranged the fruit positions to try and mirror that <laughs> pattern I was like <laughs> researchers really try the most you know <laughs>
3: Yeah, researchers are truly doing the most every single day. I know, I was
2: like, I, Love actually, research. I mean, it's not supposed to be funny, but I, I it, it tickled me. No, that's <laughs> delightful. And the, the fruit doing its quick, quick one-minute yeah, pose. the fruit doing its pose. <laughs> um, but anyway, so in the three groups, all the women, they completed a quick questionnaire before and after their drawing class. And what they found um, was that, Participating in a live drawing session that had a, a model in it, so a person had an immediate positive effect on body image. And then when you oh. look at the three groups, so drawing the fruit didn't influence uh, women's body image at all, or definitely not significantly. Both drawing the the model who was closed and the new model had a positive impact on the women's body image, but the drawing the nude model had a stronger more positive impact than the clothed model so actually seeing um you know the people that that naked body mm. had that immediate boost and elevation and body image we've spoken about this before on the podcast but I think there is something
3: to seeing a body completely desexualized but naked and just kind of in different positions is so I don't know it's very like comforting and beautiful and just makes you appreciate bodies and all of their forms in movement and stillness it's so important to see yeah that's
2: that's exactly it it's seeing them desexualized, seeing them in movement as you're saying and and you're kind of focusing on the body in a different way when you're drawing mm. because you're not focusing on it being like oh that bit I don't like that bit oh no, um, you're going like look at that well, beautiful well yeah you're like how do I draw lines. that how do I draw that and you yeah
3: because you see the body is the beautiful shapes that it is and also I have to say on the other side of it when being a model it it forces you to see how other people see you and i found it really moving being like oh my god all of these people saw this beauty in me like you know i know that uh, that (laughs) doctor roast my own chicken i mean i am very beautiful but like there's something about the tenderness of someone taking the time to draw the curves of your body and be like at the end of the class people like do you want this drawing i did of you and i'm like absolutely like it's so you know it's it's really
2: moving and beautiful it is and, and there was so, tender yeah. is such a nice word to use i think you're so good with vocabulary honey in terms of finding those expressive um ideas so yeah i think but that i think
3: uh, can i just say the the girl me who was voted biggest teacher's pet anyway, <laughs> oh, really, really appreciates <laughs> hearing that i've got a great vocabulary that is i live for that you yes. do you yes. always
2: I come out with uh, these great lines why I use the same thing <laughs> Everything is super. Everything is fantastic or excellent. You know, like, same thing.
3: No, but then in my personal life, I say the same three words over. I say vibes and weird, and (laughs) that's that's it. And I'm so
2: boring. Wild. Yeah, it's another one of mine. Yeah, wild. Oh, dear. Um, Anyway, I want to tell you about these other two studies. I think it's really interesting. So, the second study, so that was the first study was just women. The second study included men as well. It was looking at whether it makes a difference if the nude model is the same gender as the person drawing. Um, and kind of cutting to the chase quickly it it doesn't that from this particular study no difference whether if you were a woman whether you're drawing a nude male model or female model it still elevated your your body image and exactly the same for men so if you were a man drawing if you're drawing a woman or if you're drawing a, a man still you had an elevation in immediate body image and it's what we call a state measure of of body image so it's just how you're feeling in the moment it's not how your body image is all the time necessarily but Mm. it's just in the moment how you're feeling right now in your body so that again it kind of adds to that picture and then the third Mm. study um kind of looks at it slightly differently because it's looking at doing life drawing over time so what does it mean if you attend a weekly course of life drawing sessions is that going to impact your body image differently and so and actually they looked at what we call trait body image so that's more of your stable body image what's your body image more like over time so trait over time state being in the moment so looking at trait measures so they followed and the a caveat on this study is that the sample size was really small so it's only looking at 23 people but there was 23 people men and women who hadn't done life drawing before participating in six sessions of life drawing classes and what they found was that for the, the group was that they had a increase in trait positive body image so factors like body appreciation and body pride an increase in embodiment and a reduction in appearance anxiety um what it didn't find and it might be just because the sample size was so small is that there wasn't a reduction in factors of negative body image like a drive for thinness or muscularity so wanting to be thinner or wanting to be more muscular so it, it didn't do that but still we're seeing positive effects of doing this as a, yeah. as a weekly practice would you be able to
3: tell me a bit more about what embodiment means yeah
2: it's a um really good question for just very um, simply put, I think embodiment is how we feel at home in our bodies. So we talk about that mm-hmm. a lot when we're talking about body image—how you feel connected and at home. And uh, maybe a more formal definition is like the degree to which individuals experience a mind-body connection as a result of participating in embodying embodying activities. So life drawing is an embodying activity, or spoken about as an embodying activity. Yoga is a classic example of an embodying activity because, again, it's got that mind-body connection. What I find really useful when looking at different terms and what they mean is that researchers often develop scales because that's how they test things, right? So you're trying to test something and you have a series of questions to tap into a particular construct. So in a measure of embodiment, an example question is or item that people have to respond to is, I feel that my body is a source of strength, endurance, and energy. So that kind of gives a bit of an indication of what embodiment is.
3: I think, I mean, I feel like we need a whole knowledge noodle on embodiment just in and of itself. So I think the listeners can have that to look forward to because this is all so interesting. But Nadia, again, thank you for this slurp of delicious knowledge. Oh,
2: Thank you. Thank you for slurping with me. Thank you for listening to The Body Protest. We really
3: hope you've enjoyed this episode and it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe, rate and review. You
2: can follow Honey on Instagram at honeykinney, and you can follow Nadia at Nadia.Craddock. This podcast is produced and edited by the glorious Daisy Grant and it's brought to you by the Pink Protest Podcast Network.